Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Good evening and welcome to today's meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm John Milford, co-chair of the club's Grown Ups Forum and your host for today. We also welcome our listening audience and we invite everyone to visit us online at commonwealthclub.org. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our distinguished speaker, Richard Caro. Dr. Richard Caro is co-founder of Tech Enhanced Life, a public benefit corporation with the mission of improving the quality of life for older adults and their families. For several years now, his work has focused on the intersection of aging and technology. In addition to his work with Tech Enhanced Life, Richard is CEO of Tangible Future Incorporated, an interventional management consultancy based in San Francisco, and is an active member of several Silicon Valley angel investor groups, with a particular focus on the intersection of healthcare, aging, and technology. Richard started his career as a researcher at Stanford University and then spent a number of years developing novel medical products, such as the world's first LASIK device for changing the shape of your eyes. He has a Ph.D. in physics from Oxford University, where he was a Rhodes Scholar and holds 24 patents. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Richard Caro. Thanks, John. I brought a few props with me, but you'll see what they are later on. Let me just organize myself. So tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about um, a club called the Longevity Explorers and the explorations that we've been doing together into new ideas, new products, and new services that we think will hopefully come in handy to improve how we age um, and to sort of improve our quality of life. And I'm going to focus, um, I've, I've organized the talk a bit around a few themes of product types and services and ideas we've been exploring. And I'm going to present it all through the lens of our community of longevity explorers. And so I'm going to start by telling you about what, who they are and what that means. But before I start, I have to show you this slide um, because, you know, John mentioned that I used to be a physicist in a past life, so I can't give a talk without at least one graph. Uh, but this is the only graph, I promise you. Um, and this is here to just explain why I think this is an interesting space and why I kind of got interested in it a number of years ago. And what this is showing is... Functional ability, how well we can do things like walk and talk um, and hear as the vertical axis and time as the horizontal axis. And, you know, what you see is in our youth, everything works really well. And then as we get older, it starts to drop off. And the red curve is what might happen to an individual just left to their own devices. And the potential is for clever gadgets and widgets, things like eyeglasses and hearing aids and other stuff that we're going to talk about today, can push off the time at which that curve goes down um, so that you can have a longer period of good life. And um, this slide just kind of illustrates what we think of as tech-enhanced products. I guess you can all see them, judging by the giggles. So on the left... You have a hearing aid, and they're much better now, but some people would argue they're still far from perfect. Um, and then the other device there is a somewhat newer product, which is a clever spoon that kind of counter-vibrates, counter-oscillates to help prevent um, the difficulty that certain people have when they have tremor, when they handshakes, um, in eating. Uh, and I'll maybe talk a little bit more about that later. But these are sort of some examples from a really old one to a newer one. And you'll notice they're not computers. They actually have computers in them. But to me, a tech-enhanced product is something which has technology buried in it uh, and yet can do something useful. Okay, let me just, um, before I dive into this, has anyone in the audience heard me speak before? Put up your hand if you've heard it before. Steve. Hi, Steve. Okay, good. So um, I'm afraid you'll have to hear some of it again. Um, so I'm going to explain it a little bit more than I would if you'd all uh, been here before. Um, so this slide explains um, a really important aspect of uh, 
what we learned when we first started looking at the idea of getting involved with older adults and thinking about ways that technology could make life better. And as we started to interview people, we heard things like, you know, I wish I could be more useful. Or, you know, I like playing golf, but there's a limit to how many times I want to play golf during the week. I wish I had an additional sense of purpose. And as we kind of explored this, we realized that this is a bit of a common theme. There are lots of older adults who feel like society has kind of somewhat closed off their ability to be useful, and they miss that. And so we decided that maybe there was an opportunity here to combine making a small contribution to the whole idea of people being useful with creating a community that could help discover and even help co-create new products and services that have clever technology built in them. And so we created the Longevity Explorers, which is really a club. I've come to think of it as a club. Um, and I'm going to tell you a bit about what we do. Here's a picture of some of our circles. We call them circles. We have a number of these circles now. Um, they started in Northern California. We now have some on the East Coast, and we're getting more, um, I'd like to say every week, but every month or two. Um, and it's a unique sharing, evaluation, and ideation community made up of older adults mostly in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then their friends, families, and caregivers. So it's kind of a fairly broad community. Each of our circles has a little bit of a different flavor. Some of them are entirely older adults. Some of them are mixtures of older adults and their children. This slide is kind of capturing in numbers uh, where we're up to. So we've been doing this for four years. We've had over 150 of our circle meetings now. Um, it's getting up there. And um, initially, the initial five circles, I personally facilitated every one of those meetings. So I've actually led well over 100 of those meetings now, but luckily I'm getting some helpers. Um, and there were seven circles when I made this slide. I think it's grown a little since then. Um, and there are maybe three or 400 explorers that meet face-to-face -face, and then hundreds of thousands of other older adults that see what we do online because our explorers record what they do, that what they learn in these discussions and explorations and publish it on the Tech Enhanced Life website for other older adults and friends and families around the world to see. Uh, that's kind of our idea of not just keeping it to ourselves but sharing it. So that's kind of the statistics. Um, what I want to do now is just for the rest of the talk, take you through a handful of interesting products and ideas that we've been playing with and tell you about them. And I'm going to really um, keep it at a fairly high level. And I'm hoping if you want, uh, you'll ask questions. I'll tell you where I like to start. I like to start with this slide. And the reason is that people say technology, tech-enhanced products, you guys must deal with computers. Everyone immediately thinks computers. And if they don't think computers, they think smartphones. And we certainly think those are important tools. But this picture is an excuse for me to tell you a story about something that I think is also a tech-enhanced product but has nothing to do with computers. So the genesis of this slide is um, at one of our earliest circles, the members were sitting around. This was at a CCRC in Saratoga where the members are mostly in their 80s and 90s. And someone said, I have trouble opening jars. Who in the audience has trouble opening jars? Put up your hand. Surprisingly small number. Okay, good. Um, anyway... When I give these talks, there are often lots of hands that go up. And um, at this circle meeting, one of the ladies said, you know, I just bought a really bad new jar opener and it doesn't work at all. And it cost me, you know, I don't know how much, not terribly much, but it cost her something. And she said, I want to bring it along next time and show you all so that no one else buys it. And then someone else said, well, I just got one and it's great. It's a different brand and can I, I'm going to bring it along too and tell you about that. And so at the next month at the circle meeting, 
our explorers, there's usually about 20 in any given meeting, came along with their plastic bags with jar openers in them and we unloaded them all on the table and they passed them around and talked about them and everyone found it really interesting and then we all went home. And as I was driving home, I thought, well, that was an interesting process, but maybe we could do that better. You know, maybe there's a way to go a step further. And so between that month and the following month, I went on Amazon and um, I like to think I'm an experienced Amazon shopper. So I kind of read all the reviews and looked at all the ones that had multiple stars. And I bought probably about 30 different types of jar openers. So I have like the world's, well, I don't know if it's the world's best jar opener collection, but I have an extensive jar opener collection. Um, And at the next month, we took those jar openers along to each of five different explorer circles, together with a little kind of quasi-scientific test protocol and a bunch of jars. And this picture, this picture is one of our circles sitting around with in front of them the pieces of paper that are the test protocol, a bunch of different jars, a bunch of different jar openers, and they're all trying them out and passing them around. And, you know, it was really interesting, and it went much further than the kind of um, just playing that we'd done the month before. What came out of that was that different people around the table and in the different circles had actually different reasons why they needed a jar opener. So some people had a grip problem. They couldn't really grip the lid tightly enough. But other people said, well, I don't have a problem with that at all. I can grip really well, but I can't lever well enough. And then there was a third problem also, which I'm forgetting right now. Um, But there were basically three different reasons why people needed jar openers. And what we learned was that there were three, you know, there were also three different kind of best jar openers, one for each of the different reasons people needed one. So this, you know, this was kind of um, revelationary to me. First, do you? There you go. Um, Yes, we've got some of those too. Um, Anyway, so, you know, I learned first of all that Amazon doesn't necessarily capture all the stuff that you get out of something like this, a real test session, especially with older adults. Second, it became clear that talking about the best something is usually um, a bit of a superficial concept because people have different subcategories of needs. So you really need to map a person's nature or physical issues or mental issues or whatever. We call them a persona to specific products. Um, and then finally, you know, the power of this was kind of interesting. We wrote all this up. We put it on a page on our website. If you Google jar openers for older adults or best jar openers or any one of a number of things, uh, the results of this study will pop up. And lots and lots of people all around the world look at that. And then they say, you know, good. Now I know what jar opener to buy. And the reason I start with this example, it's very low tech, but it does have technology in it. It's an aid that lets you do things that your body's kind of getting in the way of doing. So I think even these kind of everyday objects, I call them, can be very important. Um, And an interesting kind of uh, development on this story happens several years later, actually. So we did that work that I just told you when we, I I don't know, two or three years ago now, maybe, Um, and it was on our website and people started to hear about it and I would suddenly sometimes talk about it. And then over last summer, I got an email from somebody who said, I and my father are inventing a brand new, really good jar opener because we don't think anything works properly. Would you be interested in trying it out? And... um, So I said, yes, because this is a popular topic and you can see a picture of it there. I'm not certain this is, in fact, quite yet the world's best jar opener. This is a prototype from the inventor. Um, And we took it along to our circles and they tried it out and they made a number of suggestions and it's gone gone back for the next iteration. Um, But I think this is kind of closing the loop on this story, right? So we discover a problem. We test out what exists and identify what works best. And then ideally, there's a way to make it even better. So that's a recurring theme. Here's another one um, that I like to like to talk about too. 
How do I? Yeah, I think I have enough time to talk about this one. Good. Um, so this is um, another another one, a, a similar example, but this started a bit differently. So at a completely different circle, we were sitting around discussing. Our circles involve discussions mostly, and then sometimes evaluations. And at the circle, one of the members said, "You know what? I really miss. I really miss going out at night." And the other members sort of said, you know, I have that same challenge. I used to go out at night a lot, and now I don't. So we started talking about it. And the first thing we talked about was, well, why is that, right? Because you can't solve a problem if you don't understand why. And what it turned out was, even in a relatively small group of 15 or 20 people, there were multiple different reasons why people no longer went out at night. But what was a common theme was, they mostly didn't, and they mostly wished they could. So one lady said, um, the sidewalk outside my house has tree roots that have made it kind of be a bit like the ocean out of <laughs> cement. And so I'm uncomfortable to go out there at night unless I'm carrying a big flashlight because I'm worried I'm going to trip and hurt myself. Then a second gentleman said, um, you know, I used to go out all the time. I lived near Geary Boulevard. And people are always getting run over on the crosswalk outside my house, he said. So that was a bit of an exaggeration. But I Googled it. And in fact, there had been one or maybe even two or three cases where somebody had been walking across the, the crosswalk with a green light and had been run over on Geary Boulevard. So anyway, he said, I'm just, you know, it's okay at night. I mean, it's okay during the day, but I'm scared to go out and cross that road at night. And then the third person said, well, I like to go to the theater at night. That's what I like to do. And the trouble with that is I need to park and then walk through the tenderloin to get to the theater. And I'm just not comfortable doing that for all the reasons you can imagine. So that was that circle, right? That was like problem identification and shedding some light on the problems. It wasn't solving it. And we went home. And then the next month, one of the other circles said, well, we listened to that discussion about going out at night and we think we might be able to invent some solutions. Can we brainstorm? So we said, sure, let's do it. And we did. And that second circle had a really fun, enjoyable session in which they, we, quote, came up with new ideas, right? Invented is a grandiose word, but came up with some new product ideas to help solve this. Some of them were pretty creative, some of them less so, like any brainstorming session. Um, and that was the end of that, right? And so I went home again, and I thought, as I thought with the jar openers, you know, if we invented these product concepts, I bet you somebody else has been thinking about the same idea. Maybe there's something out there that nobody knows about that already exists, so back to Amazon. And sure enough, there are things there that are similar to what we came up with. And of the product concepts, one of them was a cane with some attachments or some additions. And uh, I found three types of canes that looked really good on Amazon. And they all had, you know, lots of good reviews and positive stars. And I thought to myself, well, couldn't possibly do better than Amazon in terms of a, you know, a recommendation engine. So probably all three of these will be as good as you can get. So I bought them all. I took them along to the next circle. And, the, and, and before I did that, I tried them myself. I don't use a cane normally, but I tried them. And as far as I could tell, they were all fine. Um, the explorers started playing with them. And guess what? They didn't think they were all fine at all. They thought two of them were completely unusable. Completely, for very profound fundamental reasons that I could share if you're interested. And one of them they thought was pretty good. And this is the one they thought was pretty good. And I thought I'd just bring it along for a little demo. So, you know, when you've got the tree roots in the sidewalk, you've got a flashlight on it so you can see, see what the tree roots are doing. That's the first feature. And then when you come to one across the, the um, sidewalk, you've got a little extra visibility, the flashing red light. And then for the lady who was worried about walking through the tenderloin, it does that. So I think that's kind of a cool product. Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up because 
So an inventor sent me um, an email a while ago, and he said, I've got a better lighted cane. That one you've been playing around with is okay, but mine's better. I've got a prototype. Would you like to try it out? And uh, this guy, I actually bought his cane because it was sort of for sale, but you can't really buy it now. Um, anyway, we tried that out, and uh, it's not really a finished product, so you wouldn't want to actually buy that exact in its exact form. But that does, in fact, have pepper spray in the handle. So when you really get upset with someone, you turn it around and spray somebody. I don't bring that along to the talks for obvious reasons. And it has a few other improvements. Um, you know, the, the most popular page on our website is about toenail clippers. I have to tell you, I thought this was the world's most uninteresting topic. I still think it's pretty uninteresting, but lots of people really care. And what they've discovered, us explorers have played a lot with these products. I won't tell you the details. But what they've found is that most of them work really badly. And one or two are okay. And again, this is something people find useful. And again, inventors are coming to us with suggestions. This is a prototype from a student at a occupational therapy college in, uh, I think, Ithaca in New York. Uh, right. So that's the first, the first sort of section, right, of ideas. Um, this is the second one on staying connected. Uh, and um, this is where I want to kind of – so you could argue this is more technical now, right? But um, – who has a smartphone in the room? Put up your hand. Okay, most people. Um, and who here identifies themselves as an older adult? Quite a few. So you know what's interesting about this? I don't know about you, but I'm always reading in the newspaper about how seniors, which is a word you notice I haven't used yet, um, are technologically incompetent and don't have smartphones and blah, blah, blah. Almost everyone here put up their hand with a smartphone, and it's true that we're in San Francisco and you're probably a super enlightened, intelligent audience being at the Commonwealth Club. But there's clearly a, a, a breakdown between the media's view of what older adults think and care about and can do and reality. So we've been, in our Explorer groups, we've been exploring interesting apps that can change this from a sort of nice curiosity to a really valuable tool. Um, and there's a lot of examples, which if you want, we can discuss in question time. Um, this is the one that I've decided is uh, the one that surfaces as being the most potentially transformative. And I, I'm not choosing Uber over Lyft or, you know, there's a family of these, right, ride-sharing apps. Um, and I know some people don't like Uber, but the, the point here is uh, ride-sharing. So I, it hadn't really dawned on me how transformative this is, but is anyone here no longer comfortable driving? Okay, a handful, um, but not many. But, you know, and we're, and we're right here downtown in San Francisco, so there is at least some public transport. Um, but most places in America, there is not public transport, and... Once you get to a certain stage of life, driving becomes either challenging or not possible. And at that point, you sort of move into this category where you're, you, have to, you have to get places still to have a life in America, right, uh, especially in the suburbs. So you've gone from being a person who can get around and do what they want to somebody who's kind of dependent on the charity of others, you're dependent either on your friends or your children to take you places or on the paratransit van and the nice social worker that will take you wherever you want to go so long as it's where she wants to go at the time she's available, stuff like that. Um, so this, suddenly you go from being that kind of dependent person to being able to go wherever you want, whenever you want, so long as you go to the trouble to master this app. And I think that's really kind of important. Um, so that's just an example. There's others. I'll FaceTime people like that too. And the reason they like that is that that's, again, one example from a family of communication products, but it lets you have much deeper interactions with people at a distance than you would do just on the phone or by ladder. Some people don't like it too. Maybe some people in the audience don't. But um, anyway, we, we created something for our, our members, for our explorers, and anyone else actually on the website who wants it, called the Useful Apps Club. And uh, it's something where people sign up and once uh, 
once a month, I think, um, they get an email with a link to an article talking about an app that our explorers have decided is really good with some videos of how to use it, stuff like that. You are listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live for one of our 500 programs each year. You can find us online at commonwealthclub.org. Now, back to our program. Um, in my little laundry list of products, I'm up to Alexa. Who has Alexa? Put up your hand if you have Alexa. Holy cow. That's a small group. That's very interesting. Um, so Alexa, in case anyone doesn't know what it is, is an artificial intelligence made by Amazon uh, that lives in a product called the Amazon Echo and some other products um, and can do all sorts of things like um, tell you the weather and talk to you and control your lights and various other things. And... Um, why am I telling you about this? Well, I'm telling you about this because in 2017, so what's that, 18 months ago or so, um, our ex one explorer came along to a circle meeting and said, I just got Alexa and I really want to tell you all about it. And she did. And she loves it. And she told us all about what she does with it and why she thinks it's kind of like her friend and it's changed her life. And... Uh, everyone was kind of interested. This is actually the group that was talking about it. You can see them there. Um, and, uh, but no one else except this one person had one in 2017. I've noticed since then, in the, you know, less than two years since, at our circles, Alexa quite often comes up. And now instead of there being one person in each group that has one, there are often quite a few. The last time I did a poll, there were maybe a third of the group had one. And then everyone else was starting to go, hmm, maybe I really am interested in that. So this is kind of another example of the products we've explored. And some people think they're great. Some people don't. It's okay. I'm not trying to convince you. But I'm giving you examples of things people are finding useful. Um, in the last uh, year or so, we've realized that when you have multiple of these circles in different places – in different parts of the country, all discussing a common topic, you often get some interesting perspectives that emerge that if you put them together, lets you kind of draw some conclusions that you wouldn't get from any single discussion. We call these syntheses, um, and we've started to create them around a couple of the topics, uh, several of the topics we've been exploring. And this is one of them. You know, we touched, I mentioned driving when I talked about Uber. If you listen to the conversations, there's this really kind of profound and interesting question, which is, who decides it's time you should stop driving? I hadn't thought about that much before, but it's an interesting question. Um, and there was not a single answer. There were opinions, right? Some people felt that they should decide. In fact, quite a lot of people felt that. <laughs> I think I feel that myself, actually. Um, but anyway, that was one point of view. Another point of view was the government should decide. And that was, there was violent controversy about that. Some people thought it was a great idea. Some people did not. But it, what emerged is the government doesn't have any tools for deciding that. Um, and then other people thought your kids should decide. It should be random. There wasn't a good answer. But it was a very important question and people cared about it a lot. The idea that suddenly someone's going to take away your car keys and you're not sure how they'll decide it's time to take them, and you're not sure they'll be right, that's kind of a concerning issue. Um, and so that led us to the question of, well, how to decide? Wouldn't, shouldn't there be some like nice objective framework? A DMV test, everyone said. There is no such thing. But there should be, some people thought. An app that figures out how well you're driving. That's another idea. And so we did some brainstorming. We actually kind of came up with all the things we thought should be in an app that you could have with you when you were driving. And each year it would tell you that your driving ability went up or down or whatever it did. And it would also say, by the way, once it gets to this level, perhaps you shouldn't be driving anymore. That was a popular concept. Um, another area we explored a lot is uh, loneliness. 
isolation, what to do about it, how to avoid it. What do you do if you don't like parties? Um, you know, there's lots of entertainment type concepts, educational type concepts, but do they actually impact this? Or, you know, does one just sit in the room and listen and doesn't necessarily change being lonely? Um, I don't know that we've got answers, but it was a, it's a, if you're interested in this topic, listening to the people discuss it is pretty, pretty, um, enlightening. And one group said that they actually have a formula for not being lonely. Um, and if you ask him questions, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Safety. Um, I'll tell you, I put this at the end for a reason. I think there's a really interesting and noticeable and flawed aspect of the community that's developing products for older adults. They almost always gravitate to a safety type product. So, you know, you probably all know about these medical alert pendant things, right? Does everyone know about medical alert pendants? This is one I happen to be testing right this second. Um, but, um, you know, that's an example of a safety product, and there's nothing wrong with it. But I don't know about you, but I, I, when I think about safety products for myself or my family, it's not that I don't care about them. You know, I have a burglar alarm and a few other things. But it's not really what I am most interested in researching after dinner. Uh, in fact, it's really low on my priority list. It's more like a necessary evil. And um, I think that's true of most people. I think, you know, there's a whole study of this. There's Maslow's Pyramid and all that that suggests that you kind of have some important basic needs like eating and sleeping and not getting wet that you have to satisfy. But really the, the, the bit you like doing is the higher orders of the pyramid, the self-actualization and all that sort of stuff. And that's why I put all those other products first because I actually think they might be more important than this category, which matters too. Um, so we've spent a huge amount of energy on this, um, possibly too much, because these are all various different medical alerts. Um, and when we first started working in this space, people would say to us, you know, it's bewildering. There's all these products. I really don't know what to buy. I wish there was a tool that would help me figure out what to buy. And we discovered there was no such thing on the internet. There was just quite a lot of mostly misinformation and marketing material. So several years ago, we had a fairly significant effort where we bought a lot of these and we tested them out quite rigorously um, and wrote a bunch of stuff and a tool to choose the right one and all that. So if anyone's interested in these, there's more than you could possibly want on our website. Um, and we refreshed all that material at the end of last year which is why I'm still carrying around one of these that I haven't quite finished playing with and testing. Um, and um, the, oh, that's me testing some, I guess. Um, but what's interesting is when we updated this, uh, yeah, there we go. When we updated this um, at the end of last year, there was a family of products that didn't exist when we first did it several years ago which are really smart watches that can also function as medical alerts. And I personally think this is really an important development. And you can read about that on our website too. Uh, and you'll notice there's four there, but two of them are actually the Apple Watch uh, and the other two are more specialized products. Um, and uh, there's a lot to say about this topic, which if anyone's interested, I'm happy to talk about it in questions. The short version is... If you want the perfect medical alert that's going to keep you most safe at all times, these might not quite be there yet, but they're really close. But if you think about it differently, who would be ecstatic about going home on Muni wearing this? <laughs> the type of product that I just showed you, this conventional medical alert, which I'm, for those on the podcast is a sort of button you wear around your neck, um, some, somewhat ugly looking, um, the trouble with these is that lots of them live in people's bedside table drawers and don't get worn. And so even though they're theoretically great, if you don't wear them, they're not. Um, and I believe strongly that there are a lot of people who would quite like something like that if it didn't look like that. Um, 
And the thing about a smartwatch, you know, take this boring old Apple Watch, just an Apple Watch, but um, it has on it an app that does most of the things that um, the buttons do. And the other ones that you see on there fall at various places on a kind of continuum between a full-featured smartwatch and a not very full-featured smartwatch if someone wants something pretty simple that that do not look stigmatizing because they look like a watch. So I think that's going to transform this whole space, which is quite a big industry, the, the medical business. Um, and even though I said at the beginning maybe they aren't quite as perfect yet as this, I bet you they will be really soon. So that's kind of an interesting development. Uh, we've also done a bunch of work in sensors that go in the home, if anyone's interested in that. Um, just to round out with the explorers, there are um, a number of circles now. And when we started, phase one was really a goal was to have a functioning multi-circle explorer community entirely for ourselves and other, other older adults creating insights, right? That was the goal. It was kind of like a club for ourselves. Didn't really have another purpose. Um, ourselves and sharing with older adults around the world. But um, about two years ago, the explorers started saying things like, you know, Richard, we've tried all these products and they're mostly bad. And isn't there something we could do about that? Isn't there some way we could get involved with these companies before they waste all their time and money making a useless product and help them make something we would actually like? So anyway, we thought long and hard about whether we wanted to do that because we were worried it might um, change our mission a bit and all that. But we decided we could make these things coexist. And so for uh, um, well over a year, maybe almost two years now, we've been doing what's phase two here, which is in, in addition to the club stuff, which we still do and is still the core of what we do. We've been um, doing projects where we work with companies to help them actually develop useful products for ourselves and other older adults. And we do that at a different time and place than the club meetings. Um, and the companies think it's valuable and they pay some money and the explorers get some of it and everyone likes it. These are just some some pictures, you know, from some of these sessions. And what you see in these pictures is a bunch of our explorers who are the older adults in the room and people from the companies who are usually much younger. And it's pretty fascinating to listen to the reactions of the engineers and developers who watch afterwards because they're always astonished at the fact that these older adults have ideas, even good ideas, and they come up with feature suggestions and all sorts of stuff. It's quite fun to watch. We've done some UX examples. This gentleman is um, 95. Um, we've done what I think is most interesting is uh, co-development now. We're starting to do more of that, um, and that's where a team from the company plus a team of our explorers work together over a longer period of time, sequentially, to um, essentially co-develop the product. You know, the engineers and developers do all the hard work, but the explorers add their two cents and ideas and usually make a huge contribution. Um, and I think that's very powerful. Okay, that's kind of the end of my um, prepared material because I'm hoping you'll have some questions in a minute. And I also just wanted to say that if you're sitting there thinking that you'd love to be a Longevity Explorer, you can, in fact, sign up to be one uh, on this form that's sitting down on the, um, the floor here. So afterwards, when we're finished, feel free to sign up if you're interested, and that's the only advertisement. Um, okay, questions? Yes. You talked earlier about there was, I think it was seven ways that you'd tell us later if we asked, and I want to ask, and I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, I might have mentioned that a few times. Um, one of them was about the formula for avoiding loneliness. Was that the one you were interested in? So this isn't my formula. This is a formula from one of our groups of explorers. Um, and I oversimplified a bit to say it's a formula, but nonetheless. So here's how it goes. Um, there is a condition. You have to be interested in something. doesn't matter what. But you have to, if, you, if you're not interested in anything at all, this formula doesn't work. But my theory is most people could be interested in something, right? So you pick that interest, and then you find a community of like-minded people that share that interest. 
So this is not about a cocktail party or a social event or going to a lecture. It's you, you pick your interest community and you go to um, things where you meet and engage with those people and you engage with them about your interest. And the reason that's useful is lots of people in our discussions say things like, well, I don't really like going to parties because I never know what to say and I'm not that interested in having to make polite chit chat with someone I've never met before. But if you're going somewhere where there's someone with your interest, right, it's not so hard. You go and you talk about it, your interest, it's fun. Uh, so that's the second step. Then the third step is you have to keep doing that regularly for a long time, like several years. And then you suddenly realize that you know all these people because you've been seeing them every month for two years and you've talked to them all and they've all got your interest and suddenly they're at least your acquaintances. Uh, maybe they're your friends. Um, and that's the formula. Um, two questions. First question is, it's about the driving who decides. Yes. Uh, well, naturally, um, you go to every five years to go to DMV. You do. And DMV does your eye test. Yep. And they either you either pass or fail. Yep. So that's the end of it, right, if you fail. It is. Now right. you take a written test. Too. Right? You, well, you have a written yeah, test the, sometimes this, also. Yeah. The second question uh, was related to this uh, uh, alert. Uh, Can I answer the first question? Please first? go ahead. Because, um, you know, that's interesting what you said. So first of all, what I've learned is that different states have different rules. And so in California, they have a vision test. And they do not have a vision test in every state, but in quite a few they do. Um, but if you think about it, um, you know, one of our explorers said, well, I just went to the DMV and I'm 91, he said, and I just got my license renewed for five years. So... Am I going to be as good driving when I'm 96? Who knows, right? So there's a flaw with that concept. Second, what they test is your vision. So certainly if you have bad vision, that's a problem. But there are many reasons why you might not be a good driver that have not, not much to do with vision. You know, what if you can't turn your neck at all so you can never see anyone coming? And what if you have really, really slow reaction times? There's a number of things, none of which are tested at the DMV. So the DMV tests your vision and your knowledge of road rules, and that's it. How about driving? You, you... No. No, they don't test that. No driving test. Not in California. Maybe there is in some states, but not many. So the DMV, which some people think is the place that should be deciding this, uh, they're not necessarily, um, you know, it's back to the how to decide thing, right? I, I would argue they're not applying the correct tools. So the explorers who liked the idea that the DMV should be the official arbiter, they said, well, the DMV needs an app. They need a simulator, and they should sit us down and test us. But they don't. But maybe they should. Okay, next question. Yeah, well, the second question was about the alert. So the, the watch I haven't bought yet. So when, when that, how does that work? Uh, that the smartwatch? Yeah. Well, there were four different watches. They right. all are slightly different, right? Right. But mostly... They involve pressing a button on the side. Right. And when you press that, it summons help the same way these other things do. And then it goes to a center. Well, they are all slightly different. The Apple Watch is actually unusual. Um, it's got a more complicated question, uh, answer to that question. The other two do go to a monitoring service and someone picks up and talks to you out of the watch. And you pay for it. Uh, you definitely pay for it, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> However... So, that, no, I mean, there is a subscription to it. There is. But but let me comment on that. Please. Because um, I had this really interesting conversation just uh, in the last few days with someone about this. And they said, well, of course, you know, the Apple Watch is much more expensive than all these products. And so why won't that be a huge barrier to people adopting it, right? And they use the Apple Watch as an example because people kind of assume that's expensive, um, which it is. But in my analyses, I like to look at the cost of owning these products for two years because if you're going to get one of these, you know, you typically have it for a couple of years, give or take. So these have a monthly subscription, um, which is quite significant. Um, and the Apple Watch has a big upfront cost. And then depending on exactly how you do it, it might have an extra subscription as well. Um, Anyway, when you work out the two-year costs, the Apple Watch was one of the less expensive ones, less expensive than the conventional product in many cases, not all. Thank you very much. Observation. As we get older, it seems like one of the most important things is for us to keep active mm. and in good shape. And one of the things that you didn't mention about the Apple Watch 
which is really key, <laughs> is that it motivates you to know what you're doing and what you're not doing. Yes. And maybe you want to explain a little bit more about that since you have, you have one. As do I. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't like to be an adv- advertiser for specific products particularly, but there's a whole family of products, of which the Apple Watch is one, that involve tracking your steps and telling you how often you've stood up and various things like that. And so that family of products that kind of both monitor your activity and then give you suitable nudges and reminders and helpful hints to do more. I, I agree with you. I think that's a great set of products. And so that's actually another reason why I so much like the idea of a smartwatch that doubles as the medical alert, because suddenly you're not just buying a medical alert, you're buying a product that you would have had anyway, right? I mean, I had this long before I thought of adding the medical alert function to it. So thank you for mentioning that. Anyone else got a question? You said you have a recommended uh, – the group came up with a list of apps. Yes. Are there anything that we never would find on our own that's quite unusual that you guys came up with or should we just go to the website? Depends how sophisticated you are with apps. Yeah. Um, if, if you have lots of apps already that you've downloaded, yeah. uh, you might not learn anything new. Okay. Um, but but there is a page on our website that, that – has them all um you know there are some for getting around there are my personal favorite is the one that tells me where i parked my car because i frequently leave it at a different place and then can't quite remember where it was um but there's quite a lot quite a lot of different ones yeah the new update on the ios system tells you where you left your car yes you know i've actually stopped using the special app now that i've uh, yeah it's amazing it is it's good Hello. Um, do you have any uh, updates on housekeeping, like uh, some kind of new vacuums that aren't heavy and anything to help maintain the house? That's, uh, you know, um, yes or not. So I don't know that I've got a name of a product to suggest, but what is interesting about that is a number of the companies we've been helping think that that's a very fertile area. And there are all sorts of interesting ideas involving artificial intelligence and robots and things for everyday activities in the house. Now, the companies we've been helping, none of their products have got to market yet. And anyway, I'm not supposed to tell you any of the secrets that they're working on, obviously. But I think that's a very fertile area. For example, um, you can make a long list of all the things that are annoying around the house. People are working on Vacuuming especially. Well, there are robot vacuums now. Do you know about those? No. Well, I, those little round ones. Uh-huh. That's an example of a sort of possible solution. I think maybe the right answer there is if we're lucky, there'll be quite a few things sometime in the next few years, if we're lucky. Right. One sec. Um, just wait for the this microphone. might not be well received, but isn't there a downside to all this? In other words, if you, have to, if you need a watch to tell you where you left your car, can't you? Doesn't this keep you from thinking and keeping you from, you know, trying to... Well, little things, you know, like getting around. I ride a bicycle around the yeah. city. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. it's the best way to get around. It's Absolutely. very efficient. I mean, I'll be turning 82 years old, and to me it's very easy to do. And it's, mm-hmm. So I think a lot of these, too many helpful hints, you know. I think it's, um, people, don't they deteriorate? Isn't that like, um, could your mind atrophy sort of? You know, I've heard that comment before. I think it's a very valid point. One of our explorers, who's a lady who's in her 90s, she makes that point a lot. She doesn't want any things to help her make the bed or anything because she wants to do it herself. Um, and uh, so I, I, there's nothing wrong with that point. I think, um, you you know, you could use that same argument to say we don't need cars, we don't need phones, we don't need anything, right? Why don't we just ride horses? I think that is a valid argument. Uh, but, you know, as a society, we've chosen to use these helpers. Speaking for myself, the way I think about it, I could certainly force myself to remember where I parked my car if I wanted. You know, I could write it down. Um, the reason I find it particularly useful is I happen to park in the same place, in the same gen- near my office every day, you know, for the last 10 years. So I've parked almost anywhere you can imagine. And I like to think that I'm thinking about something more important than where I park my car. So to me, it's kind of a way to take a trivial thing that I don't really want to spend my mind on and outsource it. So I think that's good. But I, I welcome your comment. I think it's a good one. There are definitely extremes. Like some people are working on products that mean all you do is you sit in your chair and you just, you know, everything gets done for you. And, and I think there you're right. Yeah. There were a few other people who had their hand up just now. Um, okay. Um, yeah. You, how do you start a new circle 
um, because you mentioned these are in Northern California. Uh huh. But do you have some that you know you need areas, or how does you know how does that happen? So we have a whole formula for that. Um, so there's two possibilities. First of all, if you happen to live somewhere there's already a circle, then you could just join that. Um, but if you wanted to start a new circle because there wasn't already one wherever you live, um, we've got a whole program of how to do that, including training people to do it and stuff. It's maybe too long for telling you in the question time. But if, you want, if you're interested, um, come and take my business card. I'm happy to okay. tell you more. Right. Thank you. It's pretty painless. So you say you can, in, you can join an existing You certainly circle. can. Absolutely. Okay. And so if we put our name on your list, mm-hmm. then you'll – if you put the name on the list and make a little asterisk and say, want to be an explorer, um, I'll make sure to connect you. Thank you. I started giving a little uh, five-minute, what's he, at AARP senior driving classes. Uh-huh. I have a friend who teaches those. And I call it learn how to ride the bus before you have to ride the bus. Good idea. And I'd like for you to add that to your little mantra in addition to Lyft and Uber. Yeah. Because we're the generation who created the emissions that are going to burn up our grandkids. Yeah. And getting some cars off the road would be a really good idea. Yeah. I'm a big fan of public transport. Of course, there are lots of places in America where there isn't any. I'm aware of that. And I'm moving to one of them. So I'm going to be the only one on the bus. I figured that out. And there are very few pedestrians. I'd be curious to learn more about it. But anyway, just just a comment about that and for people in this room to think about it because – It's a very good point, yeah. People who are retired could ride the bus during the day when it isn't so crowded and and push our politicians to give them enough money to electrify them all. Yeah, good point. One of the most popular apps in our app collection is a series of apps that help you figure out when the bus is leaving and where it goes and how to connect and all that. There's several like that, but yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I have two friends with dementia. One who was is now mild Alzheimer's, but one of the first things they did was stop using their computer, mm-hmm. and that was a symptom. But I didn't know that was right. what was happening at the time. Yeah. So how many of these things are voice activated? <clears throat> well, things like Alexa that I mentioned is voice activated, um, and you know that that's definitely a, a trend that people are trying to pursue. Um, I think we'll see a lot more of them. I'm still waiting to decide whether that will solve the sort of issues you're talking about, though. It may. I'm not sure yet. Because the voice-activated things are not perfect either. She can just say, call Kevin, her yeah. brother. right. Or call somebody. But she cannot touch – she won't touch the phone otherwise. Well, we're testing a version of Alexa at the moment in our Explorers that has a screen so you can say, call John – and it will call John, and also um, you'll see, you know, there's, it's a video call. And uh, it's surprisingly good, I think. Uh, we still haven't finished playing with it, but it's got a lot of potential. Yeah. They still have to remember the name, though, right? Once they can't remember the name, it's problematic. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum. Richard, our time is nearly gone. Okay, John, shall I hand over to you? If you will. Absolutely. Let's, uh, thank you, everybody. Let's thank Richard Caro for his comments tonight. We also thank our audience here as well as those listening to the recording. And now, this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California commemorating its 116th year of enlightened discussion is adjourned. Good night. Good night.